0: Welcome to the first cut podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's B M W championship. The second stop of the FedEx cup playoffs and the penultimate tournament of the season. Joining me to break it all down as he does every single week. It's Greg Ducharme. What up,
1: Greg? I can't believe we're here, right? I I can't believe it's the BMW championship right now this year, uh, for many of us, it's felt like an extremely long year, but the fact that we're here in the playoffs right now, playoffs, it's mind blowing to me. I I can't believe it's already, it's already the end of the season. It feels less final because we are, we're not going to miss a week, right? Like we are literally going going right to the U S open.
0: Yeah. Like it it feels, it feels less final than it does, but uh, yeah, I agree. It it is weird. It's going to be even weirder next week when there's only 30 in the field um, and we'll talk about that but like it'll be yeah it's definitely weird but at the same time it it just it feels like we're just picking up momentum.
1: It's just been uh, a crazy year but last week was great I assume this week is going to be just the same a a fascinating tournament you got a bunch of great players playing great this is going to be fun.
0: All right let's get into this uh, but don't forget you can watch us on YouTube. So YouTube at first cut pod, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Same thing at first cut pod and the course, this is kind of the big thing, Greg Olympia fields, the North course there. I think there's actually four courses on site. Uh, We haven't really seen this. The last time that we've seen it on the PGA tour was what? 2003 U S open Jim Furyk won that Uh, 1925. Uh, I think Walter Hagen won the U.S. Open or a PGA Championship. Yeah, I, I or didn't see that one
1: live. I, I think I DVR'd that one, but I, I didn't see anything live.
0: You know what? We didn't have ShotLink out there yet, unfortunately. So we don't have the metrics from it. But uh, apparently, it was a, it was great. It was the best. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we don't feel this is more. We, there, there's some amateur events that we'll get to in a little bit about this, but uh, the big things for this week. 70 players in the field, there is no cut. So barring your WD, barring your DQ, you are getting all four rounds out of your golfers, which is a nice, interesting wrinkle. The other wrinkle is, of course, that uh, only the top 30 are going to move on. So there are scenarios, like we'll talk about, Tiger Woods, for example, has to finish sixth or better if we're going to see him. So you might see some guys put their foot on the pedal, try to hit shots they normally wouldn't try to hit. That can backfire, Greg. We might see a a 29 coming in, a 28 coming in, or a 38 coming in, or a 39 coming in because of, of what these guys have to do.
1: This happens in in no-cut events anyway. Players tend to, especially when, they, when they're when they not near the lead on Thursday, the players who are kind of in the chase pack, they, they have a tendency of getting a little more aggressive. They know that uh, on, say, Friday afternoon, they know that they're going to be playing Saturday, and they go for it. And it can go the other way in a hurry. Uh, I don't know about you, Rick, but when I'm looking at leaderboards, I, I always like scrolling down to the bottom, see what's going on down there. And these are the kind of events where you see – a big separation from the top and the bottom for exactly that reason. So yeah, it's always a good time. It's going to be really interesting to see who kind of gets off to that good start, getting off to a good start. I believe in these events is even more important because you have a tendency to force it afterwards. I, I always
0: start at the bottom of the leaderboard. I, I sweat leaderboards bottom up. So I start at the bottom and I go, please don't see anybody that I have in my labs. Please don't see anybody that I have bets on. I scroll up, I scroll up, I scroll up. And then I get to like even par or one over and it's like Thursday morning. And I'm like, okay, if my guys are here, they're still alive. They haven't played themselves out of it yet. And then I play this mental game until I get to the top.
1: That is uh, quite an entertaining way to the <laughs> leaderboard. So I, I don't do it that way. I look at the top and then, you know, the, the best thing is you got to just favorite your guys, right? You, you favored them all they're right up top tells you exactly where they stand sometimes that's not quite as fun though
0: yeah because then you have to unfavorite them when they miss the cut so that you don't see it all weekend like i don't want to look at this all weekend but
1: man last week i had i had a couple of lineups that were like like i was big on harris english last week i was pretty big on dj as i know you were too um and i had a bunch of one two lineups and with they just also were tagged with a couple of missed cuts. So that was definitely a little frustrating when you have, you know, three guys in the top five and then three missed cuts. It's like, Oh man. I just got to say, uh, going back to watching the leaderboard, nothing is better than whenever you have 10 matchup bets out and you forget to unfavorite a guy. And then you wake up like two weeks later to like Brian Harmon has started. (laughs) Wow. I I was really betting on Brian Harmon two weeks ago. Huh?
0: Yeah, you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm a sick human for uh, having Brian Harmon favorited at any point in this world. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, okay, so I mentioned the fact that Olympia Fields, which is a par 70, 7,366 yards on the scorecard, bent grass Greens, uh, usually plays host to some collegiate events, some amateur events, and our very own Eric Patterson, friend of the pod, has uh, actually compiled a list of notable finishes the last few years, and this is pretty helpful, Greg. So just to kind of recap here, 2018, Matthew Wolf won this event, the NCAA Illini Invitational. He won it. Morikawa finished second. Victor Hovland finished sixth. 2017, both Wolf and Morikawa tied for 13th. In 2016, Cameron Champ won it all. And in 2015, Maverick McNeely won it.
1: Who is Clark? Wyndham Clark? Who is that? Who's Clark? It's got to be Wyndham Clark. There's not so, another Clark. Must be Wyndham Clark from Oregon. It's got to be Wyndham Clark.
0: John Rahm finished ninth. Scotty Scheffler and Cam Champ finished 22nd. So this, I'm, I want to parlay this into a conversation about guys who, like when, when there's so few guys who have played this course, who does that help, if
1: anyone? It's, a, it's a very interesting because it's not necessarily, look, you're talking about a college event. Now, I know these players are really hot right now, so they're, very interesting to look at, and they're definitely going to be popular. Um, And this may be the reason why. But I'm not sure that – I mean, it's a completely different tournament, right? Is is six under par – is that score, which won a couple college events, is that going to finish inside the top 20 this year – probably not so it's a completely different field it's almost like everybody's got to go relearn it now the advantage for those players is they've seen it they're a little more familiar with it so it gives them maybe a maybe a a slight leg up Um, but who does it benefit to me I think it benefits longer hitters I think it benefits guys that are going to give themselves shorter approach shots into greens um, because they they don't know so how can you take tact out in in an essence so I think guys are going to be um, well, we'll see how they, how they understand how to tact it. But if you're a guy like Bryson DeChambeau and you're able to hammer the ball around this golf course, um, reach par fives in two that other players can't reach in two. If you're able to do these things and take advantage of some small advantages, then all of a sudden you can separate yourself pretty quickly. So I would say it, it is an advantage to the longer hitters rather than the guys that are normally really strategic.
0: I was on HQ with uh, Doug Bell, I guess it was Sunday night, and he was mentioning Joey LaCava is headed to Olympia Fields on the charter, but Tiger's headed home to Jupiter. He's going home to Jupiter, and he's not coming back until, I think, like Tuesday night. He'll probably play nine holes Wednesday, and that'll be it. But the idea that, you know, there, there's a lot of guys are going to be kind of behind the eight ball on preparation because a lot of them haven't seen it before. This might be the kind of week to just go home, rest, and recuperate. Uh, speaking of Tiger, it's Tiger, Charles Howell III, Paul Casey, and Adam Scott are the only guys who were in the field for the 2003 U.S. Open, um, which, I mean, I'm not looking towards anything from 17 years ago, but that was a nice little note that I saw.
1: Way too <laughs> long ago. I mean, all, all these players, they're hitting at different distances. The golf course, I'm sure, is, uh, is very different. But, you know, I, hey, at least you've seen it. You have some sort of memory. Uh, nobody really in this group played any good um tiger was the best finisher at tied 20th but i mean tiger in 2003 um tied 20th wasn't necessarily a strong finish for him at that time so <laughs> that's that's true he, he, nobody a, really top, agreed
0: with a top 20 this week we'd be like wow tiger top 20 top 20 in 2003 would have been like sound the alarms i think
1: yeah, the only thing that may be the year he was uh, kind of switching from Butch over to Hank. I think that was two thousand three. So he may have been kind of starting a swing change. Um, that would be the only thing I could think. But still, even even though not a great not a great week for Tiger. He won five times in nineteen
0: events in two thousand and three. So, uh, pretty pretty solid year oh, for man. the for the cat. Um, all right, ten thousand dollar range led by Dustin Johnson, who was playing video games last week at TPC Boston. Eleven thousand five hundred. John Rahm, flat eleven thousand. Justin Thomas, ten eight. Bryson DeChambeau, ten thousand six hundred. Rory McIlroy also flying in Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday night I think. Ten thousand three hundred. Webb Simpson, ten thousand. 2001. That is the entire $10,000 range, Greg. What are we doing?
1: Well, the, the curveball to this is DJ. Because you know, we never pick guys to win back-to-back. <laughs> it,
0: can't, it, it cannot it, happen.
1: But at the same time, he played inspired golf. I, he played some really inspired golf. So the question is, if he goes out there and it doesn't go the way that it went, which it's not going to go the same way it went um, um, last week at the Northern Trust, right he's not going to shoot those kind of scores and if it's kind of a, a sluggish start is that going to get dj frustrated or is he going to continue chipping away at it cuz the positive for dj is how well he's hitting it i mean he hit, he missed what one green over the weekend shot 63 64 over the weekend how do you not choose that guy he was the best player in all aspects of the game last week so uh, and I do believe distance is going to be a really big advantage this week. So how do you the, – the course seems to set up for him. I like DJ on a course that nobody really knows, um, especially when it's playing long the way it's supposed to be. Hitting his irons beautifully. He's got his fade back. There's, all, all signs point to DJ, except he won last week. So is there going to be a little bit of a, of a hangover from that? Is there going to be a little – well, you know, it was so easy last week, and now it's not quite as easy. Is that going to bother him? So for me, I'm looking at uh at Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau this week. Those are my top two guys. I just have some unfair questions about DJ and I don't I don't like picking guys to win back to back. So right. I, I think my top two plays are JT and, and Bryson.
0: We can talk about those guys. Real quick on Dustin Johnson. I listen. I think he's, I think it's fair. I think he's fine. I think I'll have my fair share of him. I'm not like super stoked to, to play him. I just think that from a more strategic standpoint, and I think you nailed it earlier, Greg, like if you're chasing DJ because you think he's going to do what he did again, it's not going to happen. Like he's not going to shoot 30 under. He's not going to win this golf tournament by 11 shots. It, can he contend? Absolutely. Um, if you look at the Vegas odds, he's a, essentially a coin flip to finish in the top 10. Half the time we will finish in the top 10, half the time he won't. So like, what do you need out of him? At least the top five, probably. So I just want people to kind of pump the brakes on expectations because you're not going to get another 11-shot victory. He might be able to pay himself off, but like, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot of it. Um, JT, let's talk about JT because I, I also like him. I think very much in a vacuum, he is he might be the best all-around player on tour. He might be the best player on tour. Like like I am a big believer in Justin Thomas's game. He hemorrhaged strokes on the greens last week. And historically when he puts that poorly, he usually does not do it two weeks in a row, even to the tune of like winning the next event, finishing second, the next event. I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible that he is able to reset, refocus the next week and just start rolling putts in.
1: What do you think is the most important, what areas statistically, what type of player are you looking for this week to have success?
0: unfortunately i wish we we have literally zero data on olympia fields but based on kind of comp courses and in other situations i mean it's kind of long for a par 70 it's on the longer side of things so i mean you're going to need to drive the ball far likely um and then usually uh the way that i comp this out i think it's going to be a lot of a second shot course right like if you can hit it far and you hit your irons well like that's I mean, week in and week out, a great starting point. But that and and that's also what I don't know, Justin Thomas happens to do very well.
1: Yeah, I'd say. I mean, his <laughs> iron play is so good. That that's one of the reasons why I, I like him most events, most weeks. He's the best iron player on tour. Um that maybe Tiger would give him a run for his money if we saw him more. But I, I consider JT to be the best iron player on tour. So what does that mean? It means he's gonna always have great birdie looks and even out of the rough he's great out of the rough you remember last year at Medina the rough was definitely a little longer but he he torched it 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 didn't really matter so um, JT is a is definitely a favorite and I feel like we're getting him at a little discount Uh, for him to be under $11,000 is I feel like a great buy Uh, I feel like it's a great price so uh, I'm I'm all in on JT this week too
0: since the restart uh, he leads the field in strokes gained teetering 1.9 per round. It's he's going to go as far as that putter allows him to, which in theory is a very good thing. Bryson DeChambeau, you mentioned Greg, and I think you are probably warmer on him than I am. We saw a pretty bad performance out of Bryson DeChambeau last week. Uh, the game, I don't, I don't like to say the game was in shambles. I've used that before; it's backfired. But like it, it didn't look good
1: for for two rounds for Bryson. He really struggled with the putter. And he struggled with his irons as well. But um, the irons haven't been great all year. I think we kind of are forgetting that Bryson just came and tied fourth at the PGA championship mm-hmm. in, in his start prior to this one. So for him to go out and miss a cut, he shot even par, it was uh, clearly frustrating um, and, and disappointing, especially at a place where he's won before. Uh, I, I think he was disappointed, but I don't see him kind of like JT. I don't see him putting that poorly. Again, he's been an extremely consistent putter uh, all season, especially since the restart. So I, I look at that as a big positive, and I think you're going to see a spike in that. And, and this seems like a buy. Bi- his pricing seems very biased. He's coming off a miscut. He's re- routinely been the top one or two guy um, price-wise, and all of a sudden we see him down at, as the fourth price guy. Uh, so at 10-6, I think he's a great buy. And I think his advantage is accentuated this week. Two par fives, both the par fives are over 600 yards on the golf course. At least that's what uh, the reports say. We'll see how they set it up. But that gives – I mean, he's going to be one of very few who can reach these holes. Um, and all of a sudden, that advantage extends past what it was last week where everybody could reach par fives and everybody could reach uh, the, the short drivable fourth.
0: The – Additional narrative around Bryson is like if you give anybody like five days to like fit tinker and figure out what went wrong the week before, like I kind of trust Bryson more than a lot of other guys to figure it out or at least try to. So you can yeah, kind of that's count definitely. On that a a good bit.
1: Point. You know, he'll be working on that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. um, the, the iron play and the putting, I think that's where he'll be really honing in on.
0: Can I make a quick case uh, for Rory McElroy?
1: <laughs> yeah, you, absolutely.
0: And Just a little one, because let's be real here. The Rory McIlroy, for all intents and purposes, since the restart, he's been pedestrian. He has been closer to tour average than he has ever been. We've heard the comments about maybe not getting a, as much um, energy from the crowds that, that, are, that are not out there, and he hasn't been able to figure that out yet. But the one thing that has kept him as a pedestrian for the first seven weeks or however many starts he's made was the irons. He was literally like tour average with his irons. Last week, gained over five strokes on approach. By far his best in the restart. Now, the putting was terrible. One of, his worst, one of his worst events of his career. This is one of those situations where if you think that from week to week that irons carry over, which I tend to think that they do, and the numbers tend to think that they do, and that putting is much more variable so that that would bounce back, Like that gives you a recipe for – Rory to make at least more noise than he's been making. And that might not be a lot, Greg, because he's been really bad. Like he's been by his own standards, really, really bad. So maybe it's like a top twenty finish. I don't know if he like goes out and wins this thing, but I, I'm feeling more optimistic this week than I have in a long time.
1: I, I have I definitely have concerns about Rory. Um the iron play, that's a great point. It, it's a great catch there on the improvement in that area. But the putting to me is a, is a big concern. And I know how volatile putting can be, but for Rory, this has been a weakness for the past couple of years. This has been what has held Rory back from major championships. It's been something he's worked really, really hard on uh, with his coach, Brad Faxon. And, and right now, it, it's not in great form. And so I don't see that as being a, a variable, like like a volatile statistic where he could pop off. Whereas Bryson, he's been a great putter all year. He had a bad putting week last week. Justin Thomas has been an up-and-down putter throughout the year. So it, it's much more likely that those two players uh, have, a, have a hot putting week. With Rory, I haven't seen anything to indicate that he's close to having a hot putting week. So I definitely have my concerns there. Um, but you're right with the way that he hits it. And and if he's, if, if he's, uh, found something with the irons, he can definitely contend even with a cold putter. It's just a matter of, well, how how cold is it going to be?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I mean, he's also like trying out different drivers in Jupiter this week. Like there's Rory's got to figure it out. Uh, $9,000 range. Xander Shoffley leads it off at 9,900. Daniel Berger is at 97. Colin Morikawa, friend of the pot, 9,500. Jason Day, 9,200. Scotty Scheffler, this guy, flat 9,000. Always a small 9,000 range on DraftKings. Greg, who's your favorite?
1: Uh, Daniel Berger. Uh, Daniel Berger is—he's up to 13th in the world now, and—and uh, and I've been saying this for quite a while now. He—he he is a player whose his fingerprint is this kind of play. This is who he is. This is a guy who was a rookie of the year in a class with Justin Thomas. He is a stud. He's a really, really good player. And he had a wrist injury in 2018 and that kind of derailed him for a little while. This, this restart that he's having isn't like a, it's not a fluke. This isn't, this isn't like uh, just a, a guy catching lightning in a bottle. This is really who Daniel Berger is. And I think he believes he can make a real run at the FedEx cup and, so, you know, I look at how well-rounded his game is. We talk about JT, and, and deservedly so, and how well-rounded he is. Well, Daniel Berger's right there. I mean, he's something like 13th in putting. He's fourth in scoring average. He's, um, I, I want to say he's third in strokes gain total. He is unbelievable in all areas of the game, and week after week after week. He continues to perform, and he doesn't care what the field looks like. I, I got to think he's going to be a contender. He is not only the
0: best player in terms of strokes gain total in the restart by far 2.38, he's the only guy over two. I also, since you said like he's been playing better than this, like longer than this, and I completely agree with you, I just went back to February real quick. So, since the waste management, he's still the best player on tour. In that, in that span by a half a stroke, the gap gets even bigger, by the way, Harris English, shout out to Harris English second on that list since waste management, like these guys, these two guys, I don't care if it is flying under the, I don't know if it's flying under the radar. I mean, we talk about it every single week, but they are so good right now. It's like, I, I, I can't even describe it. I'm trying to use the numbers because I don't have the adjectives to describe how good these guys are right now.
1: Do you think they're, they're both underpriced?
0: So, okay. So Berger is 97 uh, and Eng- English is 83. Like, yes, a- English probably is. When you look at, you know, he's with Adam Scott, he's with Matthew. Wo- like I love Matthew Wolf this week, but uh, him and Harris English are kind of in two different situations at the moment. I think that Berger is a little bit underpriced. Like I think you could easily get him into the 10 K range, um, but I-, I would never get him over, I don't think you can put him over DJ, Rom, JT, Bryson. I mean, you can you can make a real case, he could be the fifth highest priced golfer here above Rory McIlroy.
1: If if Rory McIlroy, well, let me put it this way: if Daniel Berger had been playing the way Rory McElroy has been playing, he would be maybe in the low sevens. Yeah. Right. And if if Rory was playing the way Daniel Daniel Berger was playing, he would be uh, the highest price guy. I 12, mean, I would say $12,000. Right
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it'd, it'd be unbelievable. People would be raving about it. They'd be salivating from their mouths because of how good Rory's put. But that, it, that's, not, that's, that's Daniel Berger. And so yeah. I, I look at that as a definite steal and a, a must play in this range.
0: The only, uh, not the only other guy, but I mean, Berger, yes. Love him. And I have no no issues with it. Scotty Scheffler has been awesome. And I know he's getting a lot more uh, camera shine. We're seeing him in the final group more often. We're seeing him on the coverage, but uh, I mean, he's, I think he's now cementing himself as the PGA tour rookie of the year, at least making that push over Victor Hovland at the moment. But since in the last four weeks, that's when he's really gone on this hot run. uh, No golfer is, has been better from T to green than Scotty Scheffler has been. And also we talk about this a lot. It's the birdie or better percentage, man. His, his fantasy scoring is so much more valuable than his actual finishing position in the tournament is he could be, he might finish T 12 here and be the sixth highest scoring player on
1: DraftKings. It's fascinating. And, and you know, I mean, he shot obviously 59 <laughs> this past week, but he also did that like the week before. Or something. Yeah, he has. I was going to say he has two 59s like recently. When I, when I read that a guy shot 59 and didn't know it until they got in the car, that <laughs> is a great sign. It, it means – we talked about this a little bit with, um, about DJ, um, about realizing where you are in a tournament. Kyle and I were talking about it last night, and you as well, Rick. Um, and so Scotty Scheffler is a guy, clearly, who's not afraid of holding his breath, right? He's not going to read the paper. He's not going to say, oh, if I make another birdie here, I could get to six under, he, he, he doesn't do that he just continues to march on and make birdie after birdie after birdie so uh, look because of the way fantasy scoring works scotty's always a good play is he getting to that point where his price is kind of catching up to that and and he's is he going to lose any value because his price is starting to climb and people are starting to realize how good he is I think the price
0: is still fine. I just think his ownership is going to be higher. I just think people are recognizing him more frequently. So I think the price is fair. I just think he's going to be one of the more popular. Does that concern overall. you? Uh no, because I'm not going to let one one golfer's ownership dictate whether he's in my lineup or not. I'll just pair him with other guys that I think are going to be a little bit lower owned. The 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 only and this is very narrative based and we will have no idea about this, but um w- I don't know if we're going to, if he's going to have his bag man this week, but I thought it was interesting when he was saying like, we've been like, those guys have been together for every shot except for like five corn fairy tour events. And I, and, and Scotty did say after the round, like, yeah, that was weird. You know, he's been helping me read putts He's been helping me like, he's been the last voice I hear. I I, I don't know if that's going to be an issue. It's going to be different for him. Uh, I mean, he, I'm sure he can find a very experienced great caddy for, for this week if his isn't ready to go. But, like, level of concern, zero through ten on who his actual caddy is this week.
1: Uh, it's probably I, – I mean, it's probably somewhere between three and five. It's yeah. definitely a concern, yeah. but it's something we don't see very often. I mean, I, can't, I don't remember ever seeing a, a caddy have to be subbed in um, <laughs> that late in a round in one of the final groups, I mean, it it was um, definitely a a, a very bizarre circumstance. So you don't know how it's going to affect him. But look, the guy plays, he he was just playing college golf two years ago. So he's comfortable playing without a caddy. It's just something that may take a little bit of adjusting. So there's, there is definitely a concern, but it's on, on the lower side for me.
0: So that leaves us with the fades, uh, which I think we're both fading Jason Day. That great stretch of golf, Greg. I mean, it was four consecutive top seven finishes. Comes to a screeching halt at the Northern Trust where uh, the numbers weren't good. The eye test wasn't all that good. The miscut got him out of there early. Seems like my, my, my big thing here, and I'd love your take on this. I just like the other guys a lot more. This isn't necessarily like I don't think Jason Day is ever going to bounce back. I just like the other guys more.
1: Yeah, this is, a, this is a really hard one to find a fade. Um, I mean, like we, we've basically been very high on everybody else. We know on this podcast we're, we're always very high on our friend, Colin Morikawa. So sure. it, it's a little bit of a challenge, and Day sticks out. He's the one guy that missed the cut last week. He's the guy who's – well, Morikawa missed the cut too, but last time Morikawa missed the cut, he won the next week. So um, it, it, this is a hard one to find a real fade. I would say Jason Day kind of sticks out in this range.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's a small range and somebody's got to be a fade. Somebody's the odd man out. Uh, All right. I want to get to the 8K range. We're going to get into some value here. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything Works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating don't forget, if you want your questions answered about fantasy, betting, whatever, what Greg eats for breakfast, just leave a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Leave your question there, and we will be sure to get to it. Greg, what do you eat for breakfast?
1: Um, depends on the day. So, <laughs> sometimes a banana, I, I eat a very light breakfast if I do at all. Um, and what's interesting about breakfast is it, this is what you – used to break your fast. So the break of your fast is correct. <laughs> food, it can also be, it can also be, um, we were talking about Phil Mickelson in the break. I, I drink coffee. So many mornings I have just coffee for breakfast and I eat a little bit later on in the day. So sometimes I eat nothing. Other times I'll eat a banana. I'll eat some fruit. I try to do that. Most mornings it's some, some sort of fruit. Oh, okay.
0: I'm a, I'm a true Californian millennial. I like avocado toast. How about that?
1: Uh, yep. Yep. You're in the right place. Right,
0: right up my alley. All right. 8K range. Led off by Patrick Cantlay, Patrick Reed, the two Patricks. The bottom end of it, Louis Oosthuizen, the bubble boy, number 70, knocked out friend of the pod, Doc Redmond. He's in. Billy Horschel, the other $8,000 golfer, Greg. Whoa, I, I could live in this range. I love this range.
1: It's a really strong range, and there's yeah. a lot of variation. And we've been seeing that with the, uh, kind of a, a slim 9K range, um, which has been a theme at least since the restart. Yeah. We've had some heavy 8K ranges. So there, there's a lot to choose from here. Uh, first guy that I go to in this list is Tony Finau. Um, and I love Tony Finau this week. One, I think he's due. I, I think Tony Finau needs something. But anyway, that's beside the point. Look at these past finishes. The Memorial, he comes in eighth. He comes in tied third at the 3M, tied 65th in Memphis. Not so great. Tied fourth at the PGA. Missed the cut last week. Uh, 72-69 wasn't enough to get it done. Uh, There's maybe a little bit of a trend here. I, I think he's ready for for a, another really good finish. Uh, an, a race for the FedEx Cup. How crazy would it be if he was the FedEx Cup champion with just one win on the uh, at the end of the year? That would be <laughs> nuts. Um, yeah. But besides the point, I think the distance that he hits the ball is going to be really important this week. It would be nuts.
0: I, I yeah, Tony's fine. Listen, okay, I, I don't like to take remember that we have event history and course history. We have zero course history, zero. Event history, we have plenty of. Uh, Tony Finau, seventh three years ago, eighth two years ago, fourth last year at the BMW Championship. Now, while you cannot say this is a good course fit for him, you can start to look at the other factors about the BMW Championship, Greg. Like, it's always the same time of year. It's always the top 70. There's no cut. The field strength is always very similar, right? Like, you can garner some things from it even though it's not the same course
1: it's typically in in similar parts of the country there have been exceptions but it's very often in the chicago area uh maybe it was it at like aronomic one year or something
0: aronomic which is outside of philly yes but usually it's like uh like conway farm so illinois it's it's usually there
1: right so you're in you're in the same part of the country i think it bodes really well for him um, and, and I just I have a funny feeling about Tony Fina this week because again, he he's one of those players like Bryson that has a great distance advantage. And so while we don't know a lot about course fit, we do know the distances of these holes and and there are definitely some uh, advantages that Tony Finna is going to have this week that other players just won't have.
0: I do not say this often uh, so we might want to record this. I guess it is being recorded. I think it's a tiger week. I hope
1: it is. I know, right? You could you imagine week.
0: if we were 32 minutes in and we hadn't recorded this? Could you imagine?
1: <laughs> I've done that. You know what? I, I believe it. You know what I really <laughs> like about it? a great show is when the conversation beforehand, the conversation while you're recording, and the conversation after just all kind of flow together. That's the sign of that's the sign of a great show because yeah. it, it's not forced. There's no facade. That's kind of what that's kind of what our show is like.
0: And you forget to press record, and then we just keep talking. Yeah, um, just keep going. Higer Woods on Sunday at the Northern Trust had that look. He had the look. Goes out birdies his first four holes. He passed the eye test for me. But more importantly, what I care about, he passed the stat test for me. The way he did it, the way he shot a 66, he was great off the tee. He was awesome with his irons. In fact, not only was that his best round since the 2019 Memorial 31 rounds ago, but if you just look at his ball striking numbers, Greg, his best since the 2018 Memorial two years ago. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, usually we'd say he just had his best round of the year. He can't do it again. (laughs) I don't know if we say that about Tiger or if we say, if he can play the way he played on Sunday for two, three, maybe four rounds this week at the BMW championship, like we're, we're going to be saying his name a lot.
1: This is the thing um, that I find to be advantageous, not just that round that he played. Because look, he's been a little bit inconsistent. And I guess hearing those numbers, that makes me a little more optimistic. But, I mean, that is um, some, some great stuff. The concern for me with Tiger is he's got to put four rounds together. How is Tiger going to go ahead and put four rounds together he's played great in first rounds second rounds have been a struggle for him uh, he's had some good third rounds some not so good but the and, and then you know one of the weekend rounds has been pretty good typically so what are we going to get are we going to get a, a four-round tournament out of him well this is the thing that I think goes in his favor and it's he's playing back-to-back weeks he hasn't done that in a long time he's going to be in the groove is a is a hope so um, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Tiger
0: okay that's fair um i also love matthew wolf and i think we talked about this a little bit on might have been saturday or sunday uh, on that pod he shot the weirdest 77 i've ever seen on saturday where it was like eight shots worse than the field Uh, i did not see that coming because he's been playing so well we've been talking about how mature his game actually is a couple of good takeaways from this um he bounced back on Sunday, which I like to see. If he would have, if he would have shot 77 on Sunday, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm not so sure about this. But he goes back out, shoots a 67 on Sunday. Those three other rounds combined, 14 under par. The game is going to be volatile. That's fine. I understand that he's a young player. Also, the success here at Olympia Fields. Like, he's one of the few guys who has any vibes at this place,
1: and he's got winning vibes at this place great memories no question about it and i think his fingerprint should fit um it should fit this kind of golf course he's a good long iron player he's a really long driver of the golf ball i think those are going to be two important things so i'm like you where i like wolf here's the other thing that i like about him with without having a lot of course history the the veteran advantage is limited there is still a veteran advantage there there always will be because you understand how to prepare for an event there are things you know as a as a, a PGA tour regular a, a veteran on the PGA tour that that a, a rookie or a second year player isn't going to know it's limited this week because you don't have this the familiarity if anything wolf and hovland who i also really like this week those two players have maybe in advantage because they've played here more recently than any of the other pros. So I think, I think Wolf and Hoblin are my, my next two plays in that range. And maybe that 77th, just an aberration. Maybe he didn't sleep great. Maybe he slept, uh, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Who, who knows what happened? These guys are human. And, uh, and that, that one bad round is clearly uncharacteristic. I wonder what
0: Matthew Wolfhouse has for breakfast. We'll get him on the pod. We'll ask him. Uh producer Jacob. Call up text text Matthew Wolf. We'll get him online. Um, who else I mean Victor Hovland went nuclear for a while on Sunday. He gave a couple back towards the end, but I like that too. I mean, Harris English, we already talked about he's $8,300. He has been phenomenal. I think he's underpriced. I think him and Matthew Wolf uh, probably uh, garner a lot of ownership, rightfully so at the bottom half of the $8,000 range. I mean, is there anybody else here worth talking about? Because we saw Kisner play well again, back-to-back top four finishes. We saw Hatton play better than he's played recently. Like anybody else here?
1: So the four guys that I like, we've we've talked about already. Harris English is definitely one, and then Fino Hovland, and Wolf. Those are my definite guys. Guys, I have questions about, and I'd love to get your take on. Is Terrell Hatton and, Kev- and Kevin Kisner, who you mentioned, um, but also like a, a Paul Casey, who has been hitting it pretty good. Where do you stand on that specifically, Hat- Hatton?
0: Hatton. Um, okay, so I think that we always knew there was regression coming for Terrell Hatton. He was having right. literally a historic season before that WGC event. Um, A lot of it, a lot of the regression happened in one week. He goes, he goes like dead last at that WGC misses the cut at the PGA championship. I thought the way he played, last week which ended up being a tie for 25th that's that's much more the type of round I'd see from Hatton one you know one day he might go super low he might you know like he's gonna he's a volatile kind of guy in both personality and game and I think that's what you see from him Um, the Paul Casey thing scares me I'll be honest with you I, I don't like the narrative stuff Greg but he tweeted out himself he is quote running on fumes six straight weeks. This is now going to be his seventh straight week of golf. He tweeted that he tweeted it.
1: Yeah, it's it's too much. I I think I think that's a great point. He's got to be that's that's just a lot of golf. You don't see guys on tour doing that. This is the time of year if you're going to where you might because guys want to get into the playoffs. They want to get their their points up. They want to get into a better position. And then you end up now you it's like, okay, I made it here. And now I'm completely gassed. So I tend to be with you on Casey there. Maybe maybe this is a week to stay away.
0: It might also be showing up in his numbers too because he's lost strokes on approach in each of his last two events. I had to go back three years before I found two consecutive events that Paul Casey lost strokes on approach. So he may be right. He is running on fumes at the moment. $7,000 range. Um, I could live in the mid eights I could live in the upper sevens. I'll tell you what uh, it is led off by Matthew Fitzpatrick, Alex Noren, the bottom of the $7,000 range is Adam Hadwin, Joaquin Neiman, Mackenzie Hughes. And there is, this is where I think you get the purest of value.
1: It's interesting. You say that, I mean, I'm, I'm looking through and I'm, these guys aren't necessarily playing great. Like Gary Woodland gets my attention when he's down in the seven K range. He's a U.S. open champion. Uh, he's got the distance, but, but he hasn't been playing very good. So, first guy that comes to my mind that pops off the page to me is russell henley russell yeah. henley has been playing great golf and uh, and he's one of the best iron players on the pga tour so there is no question a strength what is he like second strokes gained approach this year he, he has a crazy strokes gain number for the year he's so also that f- is
0: he's first in the restart on strokes gained approach first
1: Right. So he and and so he's kind of a he was what tied ninth last week. So there's definitely some uh, some upside for him. And like we say, especially when you get down into value picks, you always want to be looking for a guy that's on an uptick, whether it's maybe a statistical uptick or or uh, a results uptick. Those are the guys that are likely to to really compete and contend. So Henley's the first guy on my list because he has that. Um, he he has some really strong form coming in, but he also has a uh an asset that is great it's it's an elite quote-unquote elite iron play so far this year definitely since the restart so he's my number one play in this range
0: henley was very high on my list as well uh the other guy is ryan palmer who okay this is where this is the intersection of um uh, narrative and stats for me. <laughs> Greg was such on, a, he was frozen in such a great screen grab. I hope we grabbed that. Your video feed was so good. Um, oh man. This is, this is the intersection of narrative and stats for me. So do you remember he missed the cut at the Workday Charity Open and he flew home and he like, flipped the script, right? Like he got like a, a swing lesson from his coach. He pulled out a putter that he hasn't used since college. Like he completely changed everything. And oh, by the way, since then, he is second on tour in strokes gain from Tita Green. He's like sixth in strokes gain total since that moment. So like, this is the perfect combination of guys who love narratives. Like, like if Mark and I were to pick the same, one guy this week, it would be Ryan Palmer because we both get what we want here.
1: He definitely loves a narrative, but you know, another, <laughs> a really well-rounded player. The putting is maybe a little touch and go, or that's definitely his weakness, but he has been hitting it. Great. And it's shown up in his form again. I, um, it was, it was second at the Memorial, as you mentioned, tied 15th in Memphis and tied eighth last week at the Northern trust. So uh, another player in the seven K range at a, at a value type price who's definitely on the rise. Uh, and, and I think that, a Ryan Palmer who drives the ball the way he does is likely to give himself a chance. And he seems to be just in a great attitude, which look, when you're playing great, you're going to be happy, but you see it. You're seeing a lot of smiling out of him. You're seeing a guy that looks like he's really enjoying himself. So um, those were the two guys. If you saw on the run, those were, those were the two guys that I really liked in this range. Then there's another player who I have some questions about. um, And that would be Corey Connors. What, What do you make of Corey Connors?
0: Man. Um, I mean, he fits the mold for guys that I normally like, right? They're ball strikers. They can't putt. I think that it's finally great that he broke his stretch of two or three. I think it was two missed cuts in a row. Finished uh, top 25 last week. The only time he's played the BMW championship, he finished in the top 10. Again, different course, but like I, I get it. So I, I'm fine with that. He usually fits the type of mold. Um, let me throw a question back at you. Alex Norin, has now been piling up top 25s and has three top 10s in his last four starts. Now, this is hard for me, Greg, because he does it the opposite way of Corey Connors. He's all short game, which scares the crap out of me. But like I I look at the results and I'm like, wow, Alex Noren, like all these top 10s.
1: That's great and and it's great scores right yeah. 3m open 67 69 and then 266s on the weekend at uh, the at the PGA championship one the one round that really derailed him was saturday and it was a, that was a tough day um, probably the toughest day uh, during that major 67 69 73 67 on sunday and then last week 69 68 64 68 this is some consistency But I tend to agree with you, Rick, where the the concern is we're going to a place where we don't really know. We don't know much about it. We're trying to um, analyze what's going to happen in a tournament where we don't know the playing field. So that presents a challenge. And in that situation, I generally like great TD green players. You're talking about greens you're unfamiliar with. Um, So it just it it puts a little bit of a premium on ball striking, in my opinion. And so that would be my concern with Alex Noren. That being said, I love recent form. And when a guy's playing good when, or playing well, sorry about that. Uh, when a guy's playing well, I <laughs> tend okay. to go with it. So I, <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> I think Alex Norin is a, is a play.
0: All right. Um, uh, I I'm, I'm kind of split. I I could go either way on him. Uh, I don't have a hot take. Um, last guy for me in this range would be Jason Kokrak, who I love that this guy just goes full ice in the veins, makes eagle on the 72nd hole last week, which is basically what he had to do to get himself into this week. Now, he's got work to do. He's going to have to finish. I don't even know what he's going to have to finish to to find a way to Eastlake. It's going to be something ridiculous. But back-to-back top 15s. Three times in the last four years he's played the BMW championship. He hasn't finished worse than 19th in any of them. Like, you know, we're at 7500 bucks, I think you could do
1: worse. So I, I really like Kokrak. I like, as I said, I like recent form. So you have a guy who has two top 15 finishes back to back, and that's great. But um, before that, it was a, a tied 44th, a miscut at the PGA, a WD, three miscuts before that. So the play wasn't great coming in. And then it's like he just found a way through maybe willpower, or he he just grinded out a way to get to the BMW Championship. And when it culminates uh, with an eagle on the seventy-second hole of the Northern Trust, that can be like, uh, okay, I I reached the peak. I've I've done it, and there can be an exhale. So I have some concerns with Kokrak, but at his price, I think it could be worth the risk. Six thousand dollar range um this
0: is where things get really interesting greg my boy lonto griffin 6900 along with brian Harmon, all the way down to the min price homies jim the herminator and carlos ortiz at the dead min. um yeah I, I don't know what what do you i got a couple of guys here greg what do you think
1: uh well funny <laughs> to mention i think brian harman's playing okay um, so he had a nice finish last week. He shot, I think he shot like 64 in the final round. So Brian Harmon would be a guy I have interest in. I think Taylor Gooch is the guy that's playing the best in this class. Yeah. Um, so, so Taylor Gooch is the guy that I'm looking for Okay, recent form. He's playing good. He's in good form. He's, he's hot. And then the other guy that I had a question about, and, and I'll let you kind of go through this however you'd like, but, uh, Robbie Shelton has interest me as well. He's been playing, he's been popping up a little bit more often lately. Um, outside of that, I have a lot of question marks in this range and I haven't really found a lot of great plays other than those three guys. And maybe like, maybe our boy, Sebastian Munoz.
0: Oh boy. Okay. Um, let me, so I, I do agree. I think Taylor Gooch is objectively, uh, like the best player. In this range, whether that you just want to look at the results, yeah. you want to look at the top twenty, the top twenty-fives. Uh, I think he's got four in his last six starts. I think objectively, you could be like, okay, Taylor Gooch. I feel pretty comfortable in a in a tier that I don't feel comfortable with. Um, Robbie Shelton is interesting. You, you mentioned he's been popping up. That is the perfect word for it. He goes out and finishes in a a twenty-nine on Sunday. There's your peak if you want that, Greg, uh, to even get into this event. But like. We've seen this from Robbie Shelton before. Maybe not, not, maybe not a, a 29 for nine holes, but like you know, he pops up at the 3M Open. He finishes third. That was just a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's, he's done this occasionally where his name is on the first page of the leaderboard, and when you are, what, $6,400, that is very valuable. Um, yeah, that's the
1: risk. It's definitely on the rise, right?
0: Correct. Sebastian Munoz, <laughs> I don't know if we've talked about this, Sebastian Munoz for two straight weeks has been my path to victory in the, fi- for the $500,000 on DraftKings, And so I've watched like every shot of this guy for two weeks and it is painstaking. Okay. It, it, he goes off on Thursday and starts like seven birdies in a row. I'm counting my hundreds of thousands. Uh, you know, he, he played the back nine, I think over a par, he made double on 18 at some point. It like, anyway, that's just a, a tangent, but listen, I like Munoz uh, a lot more in showdown, which we rarely talk about than I do uh, in an entire tournament because he has shown me recently, he can't put four rounds together. And I hope I'm wrong because I'll probably find a way to get back to Munoz, but like he just cannot put four rounds together, but he might be the best guy on the course for one or two rounds. And he might be the worst guy on the course for one or two rounds.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. But in this range, I really like the upside. I'm looking for guys with a high uh, ceiling. That's how you win these tournaments, right? Like yeah. you said, he, he's he's your path to uh, half a million dollars in an early retirement. Well, the thing that that's what you need in this range. You need guys that have really high ceilings. And unfortunately, the risk you're taking is well, the floor is the the floor of the field. So that's where you run into a risk. But I will say I, I like Munoz in, in this event because it's a non-cut event. So you know you're going to get four rounds. And it just gives you more nine-hole segments where he could maybe make seven birdies in a row. Right? He could, he could go on a little streak. It just increases the likelihood of that. So I may take a, a risk, a, um, a boomer bust kind of risk down here with the Sebastian Munoz. But I do think that Brian Harmon is the safest, the most boring pick. Um, but but he is playing pretty well. So I, I think he's a fair play, and I think Taylor Gooch is uh, another safe play in this range.
0: I think um, the the no-cut thing is is more interesting for these guys down here. Um, so you need guys that can certainly make birdies, might maybe sneak an eagle in uh, here or there. That goes a long way in scoring. But I mean, I, I guess what I'm looking for out of these guys, like if, if I rostered any one of these guys and they finished T24, I think I'd be thrilled, Right. Like, that's what I'm asking in a field of 70. And I'm not sure that's much to ask or too much to ask. But I think if, if you could pencil me in for a Robbie Shelton T24 right now, I'd probably have him
1: in every single lineup. So what do you look for to get that? Are, or do you try to go with maybe a safer guy down here? Or are you going with a, a boomer bus guy?
0: Man, I guess I guess if I'm playing uh, Rory at the top, I'd probably take a safer guy. If I'm starting my lineups with like, I don't know, Berger and uh, Scotty Scheffler, who I think are on the safer side, maybe I'd be like, all right, Harry Higgs, let's see if he can do it this week. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I think it depends on on the rest of the lineup, but it, I, I, I have not built a single lineup yet, Greg. I think, I think it's stars and scrubs time. So I, I will probably have yeah. a lot of these guys, you know?
1: I yeah, mean, think, I think, think you're right.
0: Think about it. There's 20, there's like 20 guys under 7,000 in a 70 man field. A couple of these guys are going to finish in the top 20. Like it's, it's going to happen, they, They have happen. to, they, right, they yeah. have to right? they're not all going to finish 50th through 70th. So I think you have to try to find whether it's Gooch, whether it's Shrillman, whether it's Shelton, like sprinkle in these guys and pair them with the studs. Because I think,
1: I think that's how you win. You're a huge Strelman guy. Is he, is he a safe guy down in this range? Oh, man, I am a huge Strelman guy. Um, he, uh,
0: I, I think in general, he is not safe at all. But I think amongst these peers, he might be safer than other guys, believe it or not. Yeah. But like in a normal PGA Tour field, where like Strelman's like $7,500, he's not safe because he's the guy who finishes second at the Travelers, then he misses the cut, and then he pops up somewhere. So like no in general, but I think when you look at I mean Tyler Duncan, Adam Long, Danny Lee, Michael Thompson. I mean, is Stroman safer than them? Yeah, sure.
1: And and he's a really good ball striker, right? Yeah. KD Green. So that's why I like that. That's why that pick feels safer. Not so much of his results, but what he does with his uh, his statistical makeup. That's
0: Greg Ducharme. This has been the BMW Championship DFS preview. You can find Greg on Twitter at the Real GFD. We're going to be back all week long. And then Greg, we're gonna have to figure out how to whew, wait till you see the salaries next week for the tour championship when DJ is fifteen thousand five hundred. Wait till that happens. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait. So I'm so I'm pretty sure JT was fifteen thousand five hundred last
1: week going into the tour yeah. championship. I mean, you got a huge advantage. But it's a very interesting thing. It's opportunistic. I know we gotta get going here. But it, it's, there's a lot of opportunity there because you're talking about passing very few guys right there are five guys if you're sitting at four under par there are only five guys ahead of you the fact that it's a six shot lead and the best player on the pga tour you know it it, it, there's there's a limited number of players it's not like you're six back of 20 guys so uh opportunity opportunity
0: we'll leave it at that you can find me on twitter at rick run good this has been the first cut and we'll catch you next time